0: We're going to be looking at a passage that we've probably heard a number of different times. Pastor June actually preached from this passage um, last week as well, Luke chapter 2. And so I'm going to be preaching from it as well. I'm sure you've heard Pastor AJ or Pastor Tellus exhort from this in a transition or two during the Christmas season. It's a very popular passage. But I believe God wants to, to speak tonight to us uh, about who he is and reveal himself to us through this passage and so we are going to look at Luke 2, verses 8 through 16 tonight. So let's, let's go ahead and read this passage here together. Actually, let me pull this on my phone here, and we'll read it together. Here we go. Luke two eighteen. it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. On whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Tonight's message, if you're taking notes, is called Wonder or Worship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that you are here in this place. And so God, I ask, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to each and every single person that's here under my voice tonight, that's online and listening. And I thank you that you are a God that speaks. And so God, I pray that you would speak to us all. Help us to hear from you well tonight. Speak through me, God, and change me as I speak. We thank you, Lord, for this word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen Amen. and amen. Amen. There's a faith in the room. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Pastor Chris Johnson at our Duck Church, he says something like this: Participation is better than observation. So that is my cry to you tonight to help me a little bit tonight. So if you put a little amen in your soul, go ahead and spit it out once or twice, <laughs> just to encourage me while I'm up here. Um, so I have a confession to make to you tonight. I. When I first met my wife, I took her, she wasn't my wife then, but I took her on a date to tell her that I could not date her. Let me just say that again so I hope you guys can catch it. I took her on a date so that I could tell her that I couldn't date her. And that's a weird story, but what was happening in my life was that God was doing something and God was saying, Jermaine, don't date. But because I, I was such a gentleman. I didn't want to let her down because she was interested in me, and she can tell you this story, that I, I decided that I was going to take her on a, on a date, so I took her to uh, Applebee's. I just wanted to take her out. I just wanted to be nice. I took her to Applebee's. Maybe it was TGI Fridays. I don't know what it was, something like that. But I took her out to tell her that, hey, listen, I cannot um, in this season of my life date you. And there's something in me that just wasn't super interested in her in the moment. So like, but who she was was not yet revealed to me in the moment. So I took her out to tell her that. And so what happened was when I took her on the date to tell her, I won't let's let's not not call it a date. Let's just call it a a meeting. We were just friends. We're just hanging out. So I just, I just took her just to, just to tell her. But as I began to sit down and talk to her, one hour passed by, and I'm, I'm beginning to, to see the scales kind of fall from my eyes. <laughs> the second hour falls by, and, I, man, I'm beginning to see this lady like I've never seen her before. And, man, I'm telling you, my heart is bracing, and my heart is beating, and I'm beginning to fall head over heels. Three or four hours later, when I have taken her on a date to tell her that I can't date her, now I'm in a moment where I'm just like, oh, God, I, I think I'm going to marry her. Now, now I couldn't date her because God, and God wouldn't let me date her in a moment. But I, but I sure did say to God, you know what, God, I'm, we're going to be very, very close friends. And I think we're going to be very, very close friends forever. So I'm never going to let this lady go. But praise God that the, the scales from my eyes fell. And 17 years have gone by, 15 years, almost 15 years of that we've been married. And I am so grateful that God pulls the scales from my eyes and transforms hearts. Now, this isn't a marriage message. This is not a dating seminar here tonight. And I'm not quite sure um, that I want it to be. I don't want you leaving here probably and going and saying, you know what, God, can you just help this person to see me as I see them pull the scales from the eyes? That's not the message tonight. And I'm not quite sure God's going to answer that question for you. But one question I do know that God will always answer is this. If we were to ask God this question, he's going to always answer it. God, would you reveal yourself to me? God, would you show me more of yourself? God, would you show me your glory? And I am positive 100% that our God will answer that question 100% of the time. Our God is a God that always reveals himself. That is the beauty of the incarnation, that our our God has come down to earth to reveal himself in the flesh to us in glory. And to say, I'm no longer letting this barrier stand between us. I'm kicking the door down. I'm coming into your situation. I'm coming into your mess to reveal myself to you. This is who he is. He is a God that reveals himself. And that is the message that I'm preaching and I want you to hear tonight. That God wants to reveal himself to you. God wants to show himself to you. God wants to come to you and and show you his glory, show you his majesty, show you his power, show you his strength, show you all of himself, tell you all about who he is, what he wants to do in your life. All about his kingdom. All about his eternal, everlasting kingdom. And the question isn't whether or not God will reveal himself to you. The question is, how will we respond to God when he does reveal himself to us? And we got two choices that I'm laying out here tonight. We can wonder, or we can worship. We can wonder, or we can worship. To wonder is to to look at something and to hold it with amazement, to hold it with with like this awe and looking at it, and it's it's beautiful and it's awesome, and there's this desire inside of you that wants to know what it is, but it's kind of almost at a distance. You kind of wonder about it. There's a desire to know about it, but it never really goes any any further than that. It's just to wonder. It's like I wonder about space. I wonder about I don't know the the uh, black market. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I wonder about. All, all types of different things, but that never really pushes me to go and dig into it, to find out more about it. That's just a, a wonder, just a wonder. I wonder about Pastor Tellis. I wonder about Pastor AJ. <laughs> I'm still wondering about them. <laughs> but to worship is to take this, this wonder and to take this object And to begin to focus on it and begin to magnify it and begin to say, peel back the layers and say, I just don't want to know about it. I want to want to know more about this, this thing, this person. I want to I want to really investigate what it is. I want to give my life to it. This is worship and it's different than wonder. And the question is, are we wonderers or are we worshipers? Are we wondering about Jesus Are we worshiping Jesus? So wonder where Jesus will will look at Jesus and say, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is great. He's magnificent. I think he's a really, really super duper person. But it kind of still holds him at a distance. It's like you, you want to know him, but you know that to really get a firm grasp on Jesus, you're gonna have to let go of some other things. And to let go of some other things is terrifying. And you're not just quite sure you want to let go of those things to really go after Jesus. And so you just kind of stay in a position of wonder. But to worship is to grab a hold of Jesus, let go of the other things and say, I want to run after you in the same way that you, Jesus, have ran after me. That's what it's like to worship him and not just to wonder about him. And so tonight... I believe that how you see Jesus determines whether or not you're going to worship him or whether or not you're going to wonder about him. And I believe Luke helps us in this passage as he takes, he shows us these shepherds in the field kind of go from wanderers, really wanderers to wanderers to worshipers. (laughs) He's taking them through this and we're watching it. But I think he's trying to help us see Jesus properly through this story. And so as we look at it here, it starts like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, and they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And I'll stop right there because this is one of the most amazing parts of this story. It's who Jesus decides to allow the angels to appear to first, the shepherds, and who he did not decide to allow the angels to appear to first. He didn't appear to kings. He didn't appear to noblemen. He didn't appear to to religious leaders, but he came and he appeared to just regular, hardworking men that were in the field at night watching over their flock watching over their family, just toiling and working. And what I'm saying here is this is our our God. This is who he has decided to appear to first. Just regular people, regular people, just like us. So when we're looking at this picture, we're looking at this store, we're looking at the shepherds, what we're really looking at is, is us, us just kind of working, us just kind of doing our thing, us just kind of going through the motions of our life. And this is the person, the people that God decides to show himself to in this moment. Just regular folk, regular folk, you and me, you and you and you. Now, I don't know about you, but I know who I was before I was saved. And I know 100% that I was not born in one of these seats right here. I wasn't born in church. I know how how lost I was. I know the sins of my past. I know what I've done. I know what has been done to me. I know all of the things about who I am, the good things, the bad things. And the reality that God would come and reveal Himself to me is absolutely astonishing. It's absolutely just amazing. I want you to just kind of step back and just kind of think about who you were, because you weren't always who you are right now in this place. And it was only by the saving grace of Jesus Christ that you are here right now and you can raise your hands and you can praise him and you can glorify him and you can say, thank you, Lord. It's because he has awakened your eyes and pulled the scales off of your face to the reality of who he is. And that is what this passage begins with that he appears to them, and he says, and he says, the angel says to them that he he has come with good news to them for all the people and I don't know, I don't know if you've you know defined what all means, but all means every single one of us, all of us, so you are included in that, and that is the the majesty of this passage is that as you begin to unpack it, you begin to see how awesome. Our God is that He's revealing Himself to just normal, regular, hardworking people in the field at at night. Yeah. And as He reveals Himself to them, then He begins to reveal more about Himself. Yeah. And he says that He is the Savior, that He is the Messiah, that He is the Lord, that He's the Savior, that He is the Messiah, that He is the Lord that he is the Savior, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Lord. Now, I don't know if the shepherds would have recognized this passage or not, but I know that, that we do because there's some similarities to this passage and to the passage in Isaiah chapter 9. The promised king in Isaiah chapter 9 and then the reality of the promise being fulfilled right here and what the angel was declaring about this Jesus Isaiah chapter 9 where he says, but unto us a child is born, a son has been given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is who he is, and I wish I had time tonight to go through all of them, but we would be here an extra hour, and I don't think we have that kind of time. (laughs) But if I could just kind of simplify this, this passage that the burden of sin, the burden of life, the burden of of death no longer rests on our shoulders. The, The burden of all of that now has now resting now on the shoulders of Jesus. The one who has been anointed with the authority and the ability to be able to shoulder that burden for us. And all we have to do is... No longer try to approach God with our good works, with our good deeds, with our good things. But all we have to do now is basically just believe in what he has done on the cross, lay our lives down towards him. And we pick up his yoke and his burden, which is light, which is easy. And he rescues us from the dominion of darkness into the marvelous light, into a kingdom where he provides supernatural purpose, supernatural power. Supernatural provision, supernatural peace. This is who he is. It's a wonder. Now, what I love about this passage here in Luke chapter 2 is that what Luke reveals to us, or what the shepherds reveal about who Jesus is, is really important. But what I love and what I picked up here is what they didn't say about what he's going to do. You would notice that they did not say to the shepherds, that, hey, there's going to be a a son that is born. He's going to be a savior, and he's going to give you the kingdom. He's going to give you things. He's going to give you uh, success. He's going to give you a new mansion. He's going to give you a new car. He's going to give you anything related to material, temporary things. I don't know if you you guys see that in the passage, but I hope you're seeing it right now. But what I'm really trying to explain here in this, in this moment is what the shepherds are coming to understand is this king is presenting to them or the, shepherd, the angels are presenting to them a king with a kingdom that's not based on temporary things on this earth. It's not based on things that don't last. It's not based on things that you can grab and you can hold. And he's not promising that you're going to get this and you're going to get that. But he's saying this is a kingdom that is designed to last forever. This is a a king who's coming to establish an eternal forever heavenly kingdom. And they're they're beginning to see it in this moment. They're beginning to see it in this moment. And you can see God in this moment begin to Say, you know what, I think these guys are beginning to see it, but what I want to do right now is help them see it a little bit more. So he begins to say, you know what, I'm going to open up the window of heaven just a little bit so you can see what's happening in heaven. So you can see what the angels are doing in heaven. And heaven is having a house party right now in this moment. Heaven is, I mean, it's, (laughs) they're partying. They're having a really good time in this place. I mean, some of us are thinking that they're singing, glory to the... No, that's not what's happening. They are in this joint like this, going to town. And they have this, this celebration that's happening in heaven. And they're saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to whom those he rests. And it is an amazing moment. And they're trying to bring the shepherds into this moment. And they're trying to tell them, look, we, we know who he is. We've been in heaven with him. This is the king. This is the creator. He's awesome. And they're saying, hey, listen, do you know who this is? Glory to him. He's worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your adoration. He's worthy of magnification. Worship him. Praise him. He's awesome. And they are in this, this place. And I think in this moment, this is the moment where they go from wonder to worship. They go from wonder to worship. And you can see in the passage where they kind of drop everything that they're doing. And they begin to run towards Jesus. They begin to run towards Jesus. And here's the reality. That if you can see Jesus properly, then I think you would run towards Jesus. But if you don't see him properly, I think you would either stay stagnant in the same place that you are, or you would run the opposite way. And the question is, how do you see Jesus today? How do you see Jesus this Christmas holiday? Do you see him as, as just baby Jesus in a manger, you know, Christmas trees, lights, um, reindeer, Santa Claus, family, gifts? Or do you see him as someone who's just a good, good awesome person, leader, prophet? Or do you see him as a king? Do you see him as a Lord? Do you see him as a, as a wonderful counselor, as a God that is mighty, as a God that is powerful? Amen. How do you see him today? Because if you see him right, I think you would run straight into his arms today. What's blocking us from seeing him properly? There's a lot of things that block us, and I, and I could pick a lot of different things. I'm just going to pick just one today, and that's Matthew 6, verse 21, and it says this, for where, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We, we worship what we treasure. We bring into focus, and we begin to magnify those things that we hold the most dear to us, and it becomes hard to really see anything else. And I believe that we are collectors of treasures, too. We're just collecting our treasures. We're collecting our idols, and we're collecting them. We're, now we're just kind of crowded by our idols, crowded by the things that we've collected, so much so that now we're kind of anxious about all the things that we've crowded ourselves with because we want to control it so that we don't lose it all, all the while losing sight of Jesus, who is actually in control of it all. It's very hard to see Jesus in the midst of all the things that, that we're grabbing and holding on to. And in a culture that's saying, get these things, accumulate wealth, accumulate success. And what I've learned is that this, this world is not it. <laughs> and that's the beauty and majesty of this, of this passage, at least to me. One thing that I've learned over the past couple years is that this, this, all of this will end someday. You know, I went to the doctor a year ago, and the doctor told me, Jermaine, your cholesterol is really jacked up. And, uh, you know, what I don't want you to do right now is to have a heart attack at 45. And I began, and the doctor's office began to count, because I was about to turn 40. And I was like, oh, well, that's in five years. Oh, so are you, are you telling me, doctor, <laughs> that I only have five years to live? right? And so that's a, that's a difficult moment in the sense of kind of coming to the end of yourself and noticing that all of this will come to an end someday. And a prognosis, something like that, will open your eyes to the reality that all of this will come to an end. And the things that we treasure aren't the things that we should really treasure. My wife and I were on a, on a, on a plane to Florida to a wedding, one of the perks of the job, <laughs> and where it's nice and warm. And the plane began to do this. I don't know if you guys have been on a plane where the turbulence is really, really nasty. But the plane began to move like this. And my wife and I are looking at each other. And then all of a sudden, the plane just drops. It's not supposed to do that. (laughs) The plane just drops. Um, And things are flying. And it wasn't that long of a drop, but it felt like forever. And I grabbed my wife so tight, tighter than she grabbed me. (laughs) And I'm holding on to her. And I'm praying. I'm praying in languages I've never prayed before in my life. And man, nothing like a a moment like that. Because the conversations my wife and I had after that moment were, were just unbelievable, the things that we were talking about. And we weren't talking about the things that we so value and treasure here on earth. We were talking about God. We were talking about our future. We were talking about heaven and we're talking about kind of what we were leaving for our kids and things like that. It was a, a different conversation, but it's something about a moment like that that allows you to really kind of step outside of yourself, step outside of your circumstances and realize that this the kingdom of this earth will one day pass away. And there's only one thing that will remain and that will be the kingdom that Jesus has established here on earth. And something that, that I, I remember now is that when I was growing up in church, in my mom's church, in the small little Southern Baptist church, and the testimonies that, that the sister or brother would get up and they would say, and they would get up and they would say something like, like you know, first I'd like to give an honor. I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because without him I would be nothing. And I would, I would like to thank him for clothing me in my right mind and for putting food on my table, and for putting clothes on my back. And I remember a lot of these people, they did not have a lot of things. But one thing they had was this this simple praise and worship of a God. And they weren't focused on things that were here, but they were focused on God who was there and God who was around them and what it would look like when all of these things would pass away, that they would be with their God. They would be in a kingdom that would last forever forever. And I know that some of these things were passed along and passed on from generations and generations. You got to think that some of these sayings and testimonies were testimonies that came from, from slaves, from ancestors, who were in the field in unimaginable circumstances, toiling and working and singing hymns, hymns that we still sing today. And you could get an idea that they were not necessarily focus on what was happening in this moment. Like what was happening here circumstantially is what was happening. And they couldn't change that. But they could put their hope in something that was greater. They could put their hope in, in Jesus. They could put their hope in, hey, one day this will be over. One day my circumstances will change. And one day I will meet him face to face. And one day I'm going to be in glory with my king. One day Amen. this will be it. This will be over. And there's something about that that just kind of changes how we see Jesus, changes how we see the things that we hold dear, changes how we see his kingdom. And I love this passage in Psalm 23, and it gives new meaning to a passage like this, where at the end, the psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, can you imagine going through something really difficult, but praying that scripture aloud? I know this is difficult, but surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, God, I know this situation. I know that you can change it, but you haven't. But surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. God, I need your help. God, I need your help. But until it comes, I know that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man. So what is our response tonight, family? Is it going to be wonder or is it going to be worship? Romans 12 says it like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God this is your true and your proper worship. He said this is just this is a reasonable thing to do. It's not just a wonder, but it's to worship. If you can really view and see how merciful and how gracious and how awesome and how magnificent and how forgiving and how loving and how faithful our God is, your acceptable and just kind of reasonable response. It's not just to look with wonder from a distance, but it's to worship him with your life, to worship him with your life. How can we see him better tonight? Romans 12 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get into the word. Get into the word. Pastor Brett would say, read your Bible every day. We would say, read your Bible every day. We read our Bible every day. Something about getting in God's word that illuminates life. It's living and active. It speaks to us. It reveals God to us in every situation. Renew your mind. And then begin to remember what God has done, who you were, and then what God has done to bring you out of situations and bring you to where you are right now. Begin to remember that God has saved you, that God has redeemed you, that God has called you, that God has given you purpose. And then lastly, relationships. You know, if you need help today, I mean, this is what the church is for. The church is for helping us get to a place where we can worship God with all that we have and not just stay at a distance. Relationships here. If you read Luke chapter 1, you see Mary come to Elizabeth cuz she's in a place where she's carrying God's baby. <laughs> and she's like, "You know what? What should I do here? What should I do here?" And what we see is that Mary encourages her and reminds her of God, reminds her that God fulfills his word, that God fulfills his promises. And he she encourages her and inspires her and pushes her to to maintain her faith, to stay in the faith. And then you see Mary give this beautiful hymn of praise in Luke chapter 1, and she's worshiping God. And that is what it looks like for us, family, to find relationships that push us to worship and not just push us to just wonder and kind of sit here on the periphery. What is our response going to be tonight to a Jesus who has come into our situation to reveal himself to us? Are you going to wonder or are you going to worship? Are you going to wonder or are you going to worship? Let's pray. Father, we we thank you. We thank you, God, that you have revealed yourself to us. that you don't hide from us, that you are always approaching us, giving more of yourself towards us, helping us to see you rightly. God, I thank you today that if anybody heard anything, they would hear that you are a God that wants to reveal yourself to them. And there's nothing that's stopping you from coming into their situation. So God, I ask that you would come. God, I ask that you would show up. I ask that you would reveal yourself and all of your glory and all of your power and all of your majesty to each and every person in this place in a fresh and a unique way.